Hello, everyone. My name is Kate, and you're listening to Artwise. So, welcome to Artwise, everyone. Happy Tuesday for listening to this on the day it comes out, and happy whatever day it is if you are listening to slash watching this not on a Tuesday. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about Andy Warhol. Uh, I am actually a huge Andy Warhol fan. I know I don't look it. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. Uh, I'm a huge Andy Warhol fan. I love his work. Again, I talk about this museum a lot whenever we are talking about like art history. This wasn't that long ago, but art history on this podcast. I go to the Dolly in St. Petersburg, Florida quite often, and they have had an Andy Warhol exhibit there. And I snagged a poster. Um, I actually didn't see (laughs) the Andy Warhol exhibit when I went to the Dolly. Like I didn't go to see the exhibit, but I went to the dolly after the exhibit had finished and all of the Andy Warhol stuff was on sale because the exhibit wasn't there anymore. And so I got myself a very cheap t-shirt and a very cheap poster with Andy Warhol's face on it. And the shirt is no more. I absolutely destroyed that thing. It was like my favorite t-shirt and I wore it every single day. And now that I think about it, I really would like to get another Andy Warhol t-shirt because... I really liked that shirt a lot and I wore it all the time. But uh, the same uh, image that was on the shirt was on the poster and that stayed on my wall for years. I wish I had recorded a video when I used to live at my old apartment because I had it up on my wall at my old apartment. But uh, now I live in a shed and there's just not a whole lot of room for it because it really is like a very sizable poster. It's pretty big. I think it's like 18 by 24. It's bigger than that. There's no way it's 18 by 24. It's bigger than 18 by 24, but I don't know exactly how big it is. But yeah, I, I am a big Andy Warhol fan. I think if we set aside, right? Like if we set aside you know, people don't like him as a human being. People think he's a jerk, that he was very rude. If we set all that aside, I love his work, okay? I think if I had to compare myself to a fine artist, I would compare myself to Andy Warhol because I do also use a lot of pop culture influences in my own work as well. So anyway, without further ado, let's get into the life uh, of Andy Warhol. So Andy Warhol was a leading figure in the American pop art movement. So this is art inspired by pop culture, right? So he was renowned for this unique style and approach that he had to art. He had a really unique process from other artists that really set him apart. He was born on August 6, 1928 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he was the youngest child of of three children, which I think is interesting. I think he very much has a uh, youngest sibling personality, right? So Warhol's parents were immigrants from what is now Slovakia, and he grew up in a working class, normal family. He had a pretty normal childhood, youngest of three, parents were immigrants, all that. (laughs) So as a young child, Warhol actually showed a great interest in art as pretty much all artists that end up being famous, I think, do. I think uh, when you're a child, like your soul knows why you came here, right? So I think that's why so often we'll see famous artists, even artists that are guests on this podcast, myself included in this, showing great interest in art from a very young age. And he would spend hours drawing and painting. 
he actually attended the Shenley, sorry for pronouncing that wrong, Shenley uh, High School in Pittsburgh. And he was actually an excellent student. He got great grades. He was probably like one of those gifted kids. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those myself. I also see, I, I see myself in him so much. It's weird to say, but I, same. And he also showed an early interest in fashion and design. I think this is key here because this already is kind of going into what was popular in pop culture at the time, fashion, all that. So after he graduated from high school in 1945, Andy Warhol actually attended the Carnegie Mellon University, and that's where he studied commercial art. He graduated in 1949 with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, and then he moved to New York to try to career. I meant to say pursue a career, but it came out as career. We'll make that a new word. Uh, He went to New York City and he wanted to pursue a career as a commercial artist. So very, very quickly in the 1950s, after Warhol moved to New York City, he began his career as a freelancer and a commercial artist, and he very quickly made a name for himself. He had a unique style, he had a very unique and innovative approach to design, and he was very quickly in high demand among some of the city's most prestigious clients. Um, I know people say he was a jerk, but honestly, in order to be an artist and a good one and to make a good living off of your work, you have to be charismatic. People have to like you. And People must have liked Andy Warhol, despite what I've heard about him. Oh my gosh, I have a story that I want to tell right now. So I'm going to before I forget and like finish the episode without telling it. But that t-shirt that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, like I said, I used to wear that thing all the time. And um, I remember I was, I think, 18 or 19 at the time. And I was trying to get my hair white, which... It's pretty light. Uh, I I always lighten my hair so that I can put the fun colors in it because I love that. Um, But I was trying to bleach my hair white um, and I just was not having much luck. I have naturally very, very dark hair. And so, you know, my current goal is just light enough so that you can see the purple. But I used to try to get it to be like white blonde. And I was wearing my Andy Warhol teacher and me and one of my friends from high school went to Walmart in like the middle of the night, like pre-COVID times when Walmarts were still open 24-7. It was like 2 a.m. and we were standing there in the hair dye section and this very like flamboyant man came up to uh, me and he was like, oh, you're wearing an Andy Warhol shirt? And I was like, yeah, I love Andy Warhol. And he, he was like, you like Andy Warhol? And I was like, yeah, I'm wearing an Andy Warhol shirt. Like, is it not obvious? And uh, dude was like, oh, well, I met Andy Warhol when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, you did? And he was like, yeah, I met him. And I was like, that is so cool. What did he say? And he was like, he was the biggest jerk. I wanted to get a picture with him. I wanted to get my autograph with him I wanted him to I want to ask him some question and he didn't even talk to me he didn't even talk to me and I was like oh and he was like yeah he was so rude he was so rude it was at a club I was at a club with my friends and we were underage but so we weren't really supposed to be there but like we we saw him come in and I wanted to talk to him so bad and he was so rude and I was like oh that's really cool that you met him though and he was like 
I wish I didn't. And I was like, oh my God, okay. But yeah, I I don't know. Maybe he was just like that to like random strangers in the club that were children. But yeah, he it was it was a really interesting story that I wanted to bring up in this episode because I don't know why we haven't talked about Andy Warhol yet on Artwise. Um, but anyway, in particular, Andy Warhol actually found success working for the fashion industry, which doesn't surprise me because that's something he expressed interest in early on. And as an artist, the things that you're passionate the most about are always the things that are going to find you the most success. So if you have a really niche interest that you really like to make art about, but you think it's not going to make you profit, just try it because that's what always works for everybody. So again, in the fashion industry, he would design window displays and advertising campaigns for companies like Boat Teller and I Miller Shoes. Warhol's success as a commercial artist can be attributed to several factors. Like I said, uh, for one, he was very charismatic guy, despite people thinking he was a jerk. Um, you can be a jerk and be charismatic. I'm just saying. He also had a really innate understanding of the power of image and brand. So all of these people out right now, myself included, as somebody who I uh, consider myself to be a brand designer, a brand strategy designer, a brand identity designer, like I'm all of these things. Um, and which I think is a, another reason I really like him because I feel like I really relate to him and um, having that understanding of the power of image and brand. Warhol actually was also able to create designs that were both visually striking and effective in selling products. He also had a keen eye for trends and he was constantly innovating, experimenting with new techniques and materials to stay ahead of the curve. I think this is the mark of a great artist. I think that if you stay the same for too long, the world is going to pass you by. And I think as a business owner and as an artist and Obviously, Warhol was a freelance artist, so he kind of knows the hustle of like working for yourself. I think it's super important to allow yourself to learn and constantly remind yourself that like no matter how good you are, there's still more to learn. And also, it's okay to change because the world is going to change around you. And if you don't change with it, you're going to get left behind. So I think it was really, really effective that he had all of these like, it was like a such a good like pot of qualities to have like the perfect formula for a, a in my opinion what is a great artist especially modern day uh, i consider warhol to be modern day i know this was almost dang it was he almost 100 years ago now but um yeah <laughs> so one of Warhol's most important clients during this period of his life was the fashion magazine called Harper's Bazaar Art bar bazaar. Art bazaar. <laughs> he began working for the publication in 1951, and his illustrations and designs quickly became a staple of the magazine's pages. Warhol's work for Harper's Bazaar was characterized by its whimsical and playful style, and his images of women in hats and gloves became super iconic representations of the fashion of this particular era. In addition to his work for Harper's Bazaar, Warhol also established himself as a go-to designer for companies in other industries. He designed advertising campaigns for brands like Braniff Airlines and Fleming Joffe. Joffe? Fleming Joff? Joff? It's spelled J-O-F-F-E in my notes. And 
His work appeared in publications like Vogue, Glamour, The New York Times. Warhol's commercial work was not only really visually compelling, but it also demonstrated his skill as a savvy marketer and businessman. I think this is super key and important in any artist, especially in modern day. And I think Warhol really had it all figured out in terms of what it takes to be a really successful artist. There are a lot of fine artists out there who I just want to paint, you know, I just want to paint, I just want to make art. And that's fine. In fact, me too. I would love that. But there are so many additional skills that can make or break your career as an artist. And one of those skills is being a savvy marketer and a business person. Uh, I think that it's a lot easier to take that road of being, you know, working for yourself and being your own boss if you have those skills, because not only is your art beautiful and amazing and it's fun to look at and it makes people feel something, it also has a strategic purpose and it's very useful for businesses to make money. And so obviously if they're going to make a lot of money off of your work, they are going to want to pay you more. And then the more you get paid, the higher in demand you are, the more you can raise your prices. And it truly perfect storm for a great artist, in my opinion. Obviously, no artist has to live their life like that. But Warhol is a perfect example of what I strive to be, the type of artist that I strive to be. It's also worth noting that Warhol's commercial success in the 1950s was not universally admired by the art world. Some critics accused him of selling out, quote unquote, selling out by using his talents to promote consumer products. I don't understand the hate around like, quote unquote, selling out. Okay, as an artist myself, I don't think there is such a thing as selling out. If people can utilize your work for more than just being a beautiful work of art, and they can use it to make themselves more successful and to fund their passions, why not? You're making great money your clients are making great money. Why not? I think it is really amazing uh, what he did. Uh, but a lot of people were like, he's a sellout. <laughs> You're using uh, your art skills to promote consumer products and not just to make art like as if that's a bad thing. But that's what people thought. Uh, there were also concerns that his commercial work would overshadow his more serious artistic endeavors as a fine artist, but Warhol never saw a clear distinction between his commercial work and his art. He viewed both of them as part of a larger creative vision. And I feel the same way about my work, and I hope you guys do too, because in order to make, I should say it like this, in order to live, you need to make money. In order to make money, there needs to be a lot of value to your work. And the more that people can do with your work and the more versatile it is, and if you can use it for business and marketing and other things, in addition to it just existing and being art, there's no shame in that. <laughs> in many ways, Warhol's success as a commercial artist laid the foundation for his later career as an art world superstar. He was like the famous artist of the time. Well, amongst a lot of other people. There were a lot of famous artists. This was a good time to exist as an artist in like the 50s. This was the same era of Salvador Dali and Picasso. <laughs> so, but he was like the design advertising 
marketing guy, the pop culture guy. And that was him. And he was that guy. His experience working in the world of advertising and marketing gave him a really unique perspective on the power of brand, the power of image. And he would later explore this in his fine art endeavors that weren't being utilized for commercial purposes. He also gained like really invaluable skills in design and composition. And this would serve him well in his later experiments with printmaking and other techniques. But Andy Warhol's success as a commercial artist in the 1950s was actually a critical stepping stone in his career as an artist. Despite people telling him that he was a sellout and being haters, uh, by establishing himself as a go-to designer for some of the era's most prestigious clients, Warhol honed his skills as a marketer, an innovator, and a creator of visually compelling images. And this experience would serve him well as he transitioned into this world of fine art. And it laid the foundation for his later success as one of the most important artists of the 20th century. So I think this is really important because I know a lot of artists hate the idea of, you know, working. I mean, I hate the idea. (laughs) I hate the idea of working a nine to five. But a lot of artists hate the idea of kind of and we we actually will cover this. If this episode hasn't come out already, it will. But um, we have an episode coming out here soon about adapting your creative skills to work in various different types of creative jobs. And I think that Warhol's perspective on this really set him apart from a lot of other artists in that he didn't think this makes me less of an artist. I'm a sellout. I shouldn't be doing this. He didn't let himself feel resistance to what he was doing. He saw an opportunity and he would take it. And that led him on this path of design and marketing and commercial work and making a lot of money just by doing art, which I'm sure that was his mindset behind it, right? I get to do what I love. I get to make things. I get to design things. I get to do this, this, and this. And it's making me successful. And he didn't let the judgments of other people cloud his judgment of like doing what was best for him. And it was all part of the path. Like, that's a weird way to say it. Uh, Again, uh, I talk about this all the time. The slogan for this podcast is it's about the journey and not the destination. And if he hadn't had those experiences and he did have these like resistances, right, to doing what he did when he was first starting out in his career after he graduated from university and he started freelancing and working for these big names, if he hadn't allowed himself to do that and he said, I just want to be a fine artist, he might not have had the experience and the knowledge that he needed to be as successful as he was meant to be in his life. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind in your own career as an artist. Maybe sometimes we might do something that we didn't imagine ourselves doing, but you might really enjoy it. So I think it's really important to not resist opportunities when they come up just because it's not exactly what you pictured yourself doing. If you think you'll enjoy it, just try it. It doesn't mean you're a sellout or whatever people were saying about him. In the early 1960s, Warhol began to focus more on his art and less on his commercial work. Uh, He started to explore the use of mass production techniques in his art, creating works that were often made using these silk screening techniques. 
I wish I could just throw in a video here. Actually, I might because I used to do that. I forgot I used to do that. <laughs> in season one, I used to just throw in random videos if it was relating to what I was talking about. So I'm going to hunt it down and find on YouTube, there is this video that demonstrates Warhol's process. And if you're watching the video version of it, you'll see a lot better what he does in his little, what do you call it? You'll you'll see his process a lot better. But if you're listening to the audio version of it, you can hear Andy Warhol himself explaining his techniques with silk screening and how he utilized uh, silk screen to create his fine art pieces. And it's just really interesting. So I'm gonna go ahead and play that now. Warhol's arrival at his London gallery is like a royal progress. The enfant terrible become grand old man of modern art. But would he reveal much of what is behind the enigmatic image? This is the first sort of major series of self-portraits for quite a long time. What prompted this one? Uh, well, I, it's just I ran out of ideas. But the one thing Warhol has not been short of is ideas. He's generated enough critical comment to fell a forest or two, having first shocked the art world in 1962 with his images of Campbell's soup tins. I should have still been painting it. That would have been a better thing. Really? Yeah. Then somebody can just it'd be like a store and they just come in and ask you for a can of soup and you just... That was just the easiest way to do something. You don't because think... everybody paints the same picture over and over again anyway, so... So you could have stuck with the soup tins and the Brillo boxes? Well, just a soup can. What was the interest to you then in that Campbell's soup tin? What gave you the idea of doing that? Oh, I used to eat it every day. I still do, so... I don't know, and, and Mr. Billy Boy, I think, has some too. Are you American, Mr. <laughs> Billy Boy? No, from Mars, I think. Oh, Mars. And Christopher Marcus is... Uh... I work for Interview Magazine, Andy's Magazine. How much are you involved with Interview Magazine? Oh, a lot. I give a cover away every minute, and then I have to go and hide. Is that, though, more important to you at the moment than your own work and your silk screens, or what's, what's uh, most of your time spent doing? Uh, most of my time is um, just to get up in the morning. After the soup cans came a series of Warholized photographs of leading rock and movie figures, notably Elvis Presley. And again, proving that he had a gift for selecting his images, that other screen immortal, Marilyn Monroe. And always concerned with the grocery store, another American archetype, the Coke bottle. How much do you think of your success as an artist, probably the best known in the world at the moment, is as a result of your own personal image, yourself as a work of art? Um, well, that's what everybody says. I don't know. I work. I, I, I work all the time. And work often seems to involve being the apparent calm at the centre of a storm that his presence creates, which of course contributes to the art itself. But is Warhol still doing interesting work? I think it's an image of our time. I think that it's a, um, it, it, it's a paradoxical image, isn't it? It's blank and yet it's extremely intelligent. It's uh, um, frightening and yet it's uh, romantic in a way. Uh, it's all sorts of opposites combined in one image, but th that is Warhol, after all. Um, there's one nice picture painted about a hundred times different colours, but I mean, I think it's just a bit boring, to be honest. 
he was always sort of particularly adept at capturing a time and you know possibly the time isn't really interesting anymore and that's why the art isn't really particularly interesting. I'm excited by them, I think they're good. I think Andy is one of the greatest artists of this century. Meanwhile, Warhol is collecting between $10,000 and $65,000 a picture. But is he really making some hidden comment at our expense? No, I just do whatever I do, you know, just to get by. Really cool, right? So, in 1962, he actually created his famous Campbell's Soup Can series, which featured 32 paintings of the iconic soup can. This is probably Andy Warhol's most iconic work next to his piece that was of Marilyn Monroe. But the pop culture influences were really strong. So at this time, Warhol's art became increasingly popular and he very quickly became one of the most celebrated artists of this period of time. In addition to his paintings, Warhol also experimented with other forms of art, including sculpture, film, music. He actually founded something called The Factory, which was a studio where him and his team of assistants would work on art and films and whatever he wanted. He was at that point in his career where he could really just do whatever he wanted. I, I hope I get there someday. That's really cool. However, dun dun dun, scary music scary. <laughs> in 1968, the entire art world was shaken by the attempted murder of one of its most influential figures, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol was shot and nearly killed by a Valerie Solanas, a radical feminist who had appeared in one of his films. The incident left Warhol with physical scars and a deep emotional trauma that he carried for the rest of his life. I mean, obviously, somebody shoots you and tries to murder you. You're probably going to be traumatized. So I understand. <laughs> but the events leading up to the shooting with Solanas, who had been a fringe member of Warhol's circle, seeking to have her play produced by him. So Warhol was known for his support of the avant-garde art and experimental films. So it wasn't super unusual for him to attract such characters as Solanus. However, she was different. It was said that she was a very unstable person with a history of mental illness. And over this period of time where she was trying so desperately to work with Andy Warhol, she had become increasingly paranoid and also very hostile towards Warhol. So then on June 3rd of 1968, Solanus arrived at the factory, which was Warhol's studio, with a 32 caliber handgun, and she shot Warhol three times and also wounded the art critic by the name of Mario Amaya, and he was just there. He just happened to be there. I think he was probably standing behind him and got shot, uh, like maybe through him, or he was just, he was just there, but... After the shooting, Warhol was rushed to the hospital and doctors were able to save his life, but the attack left him with lasting physical effects, including chronic pain, and he also had a difficulty speaking after this point. The motives behind Solanus's attack on Andy Warhol have been debated, but it's widely believed to have been the result of her frustration with his failure to produce her play that she wrote. She really, really wanted him to produce it. And he was like, nah, I got other things to do. I'm a busy man, a very famous, very famous artist. 
and she that pissed her off. Um, she was also known for her radical feminist views, and some people have suggested that her tack on Andy Warhol was actually a form of political protest, uh, with Warhol being such a like pop culture icon. Um, but regardless of the reasoning and her motive behind the attempted murder of Andy Warhol, the entire incident shocked the art world and also had a very profound impact on Warhol's life and his future work after this point. Following the shooting, Andy Warhol became increasingly reclusive and very fearful. He almost, in a sense, had like agoraphobia. Like he was very afraid to leave his house. Uh, he, in fact, would almost never leave his house without a bodyguard with him. And the incident left him with a profound fear of death. The emotional trauma that he suffered also had a huge impact on his work. And he turned from this like pop culture, like fun, bright colors to a darker and more introspective subject matter. But despite the trauma of this shooting, Andy Warhol continued to produce influential work throughout the remainder of his career, and he remained a fixture in the art world up until his death, and his impact on contemporary art can't be overstated. So continuing on after this shooting incident, in the 1970s, Andy Warhol continued to create art and expand his focus to include celebrity portraits and commission portraits. He also became involved in the music scene, producing the album The Velvet Underground and Nico, and celebrating with other musicians. In the 1980s, a little after, Warhol's art continued to evolve, and he began to experiment with new techniques such as the use of computer-generated images. He also became very involved in television, and he ended up hosting his own talk show called Andy Warhol's TV and appearing in several commercials. Another thing that I do want to note that happened in the 1980s for Andy Warhol that was a huge part of his career was Andy Warhol's really weird relationship with Jean Mikel Bas Basquet. I used to pronounce it Basquiat. We've also talked about this in past episodes on the podcast, but Jean Mikel Basquet is what I'm going to go with. So Andy Warhol and Jean Mikel Basquet were two of the most influential and celebrated artists of the 20th century, and their collaboration was one of the most highly anticipated projects of the art world. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to look it up if you're listening to the audio version of this. If you're listening to the video version of it, I'll put images up on the screen for you to see as I'm talking about it, but it truly was one of the most anticipated projects of the art world at the time. And it was interesting because Warhol was almost 40 years older than Basquet, and Basquet was already a very established figure in the art world, while Basquet was a rising star in the New York City graffiti scene. The two artists met in the early 80s and quickly developed a close relationship that some people say was a little bit weird. So I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but um, Warhol was immediately impressed by Bas Basquet's raw talent. And the two of them began to collaborate on a series of paintings which combined Andy Warhol's signature pop art style with Basquet's vibrant and graffiti-influenced style. I don't know if I would use the term vibrant to describe his art. In all honesty, 
I, the first time that I saw Basquiat's art, I was in my high school art class and it, he is the one artist to give me an extremely physical, visceral reaction just by looking at his work. And personally, I don't like it, but he was a big name in um, the art world. And uh, he was very famous very quickly from a very young age for the type of work that he did. So Andy Warhol and Basquiat's collaborative work was, again, highly anticipated. And when it was finally unveiled in 1985, it was met with mixed reviews. <laughs> Some critics praised the work as a brilliant fusion of two artistic visions, while others criticized it as a cheap marketing ploy to promote both artists at the same time. Despite the mixed reactions, the collaboration between Warhol and Basquiat was actually very highly successful, both artistically and commercially. Their joint works often featured Warhol's familiar Campbell soup cans and Basquiat's graffiti style of drawings and text. Warhol also included some really popular logos and like other commercial pop culture type influences. The collaboration, each piece was sold for millions of dollars and they're currently still highly sought after by collectors. Although their collaboration was actually pretty short-lived due to Warhol's untimely and very sudden death in 1987, the legacy of their, which we'll get into, <laughs> the legacy of their artistic partnership lives on as a testament to the enduring influence of the two most important artists of the 20th. I don't know if I would say the two most important artists of the 20th century. I'm Dolly is a favorite of mine as well, but two of the most important artists in the 20th century, for sure. Something that I talked about and touched on a little bit earlier with my little anecdote about <laughs> the guy at Walmart at 2 a.m. pulling me aside to tell me about the time that he met Andy Warhol. It's true. Warhol was often perceived as a really cold and distant person, even by people who knew him personally. Uh, he was actually notori notoriously quiet and rarely engaged in conversation. And he actually preferred to let his artwork speak for itself, which is really interesting because I feel like to get started, you do have to have some sort of level of charisma to get people really engaged with you and your work as an artist. Because I don't care what anyone says, when you're an artist, you really are selling a piece of yourself. And part of that is putting yourself out there and making yourself known in a way that makes people really want to hire you and work with you. Something else people said about Andy Warhol was that he was often dismissive of other artists in their work. People did say that he was very competitive and had a jealous streak when other artists would come up in uh, conversation. So again, I just touched on the whole Jean Mikel Basquet incident with that contributed to like Warhol's reputation as a mean person. So. Something that I honestly, I wasn't alive during this time, so I don't really know if this was true or not, but Basquiat was a rising star in the art world in the 80s. And like I said earlier, Andy Warhol was a good 40 years early, earlier. <laughs> well, that is true. Uh, <laughs> Andy Warhol was a good 40 years older than Basquiat. And even though they worked together and... Basquiat was seen as kind of like a protege of Andy Warhol's. Uh, people say that Warhol's relationship with Basquiat was complicated. And this is what I was trying to touch on earlier. So he was known to have actually been jealous of Basquiat's 
success being so young. Warhol felt like he had to work a lot harder for his success than Basquet did. And a lot of people said that Warhol was jealous of Basquet's like quick rise to fame. And another thing too, uh, a lot of people say that Warhol was very critical of Basquet's work. And he felt like Basquet's work was not refined as refined or as sophisticated as his own. As a result, he often made disparaging remarks about Basquet in public and was generally really dismissive of his talent as an artist. Now, I feel like as an older artist and as a mentor, I think it's natural to be very, not critical, but Obviously, you want to like review somebody's work. You want to give them the, I guess, critique that you think they need to hear to make their work better. And as an older, more experienced artist in a similar space, I think that Warhol's like, quote unquote, like mistreatment of Basquet could have been misinterpreted. But I also say this as a very biased Warhol fan. I really liked Andy Warhol uh, my whole life, all his work. And truthfully, I think Andy Warhol is probably a more, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, but a more household name than Basquet is. I think that he's more well-known. When I talk about Andy Warhol, everybody knows who I'm talking about. In fact, my yearbook quote uh, was an Andy Warhol quote. In my my senior year of high school when I graduated, and I'll have to I'll have to throw a picture up there. I'll I'll I mean I'm gonna throw a lot of pictures up on this episode. I'm so sorry if uh, you're watching uh, the or if you're listening to the audio version of this and you can't see any of the pictures. I so want to share them with you so 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 much. Also, keep in mind uh, the episodes that come out on YouTube actually come out earlier than the episodes on, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stuff. Um, So I know you can see the video uh, part of the podcast on Spotify as well. But like I said, the YouTube version of these episodes actually comes out a few, quite a few hours earlier. So if you want to listen to them early and you want to see all this stuff, I highly recommend checking out the uh, video version of, of this. Uh, unless you're at work or something, then don't bother. But I, I'll put up a picture of it because I definitely use an Andy Warhol uh, quote as my yearbook quote when I graduated high school because I that's how much I love Andy Warhol. And I do not know how I made it this long without posting a Andy Warhol episode. But I digress. I think that his jealousy, what have you, for... Basquet, I think it was probably misinterpreted as him just trying really hard to be a good mentor. And I think especially a lot of non-artists will misinterpret critique for like just being a dick. (laughs) And so I tend to kind of see more of like him collaborating with Basquet and him. It's kind of seen as him piggybacking off of Basquet's fame. In, in a lot for a lot of people but I don't think of it like that I think of it as a older more established better known artist such as Warhol acting as a mentor to this protege of Warhol's 
Jean Mikel Basquet. So that's my thoughts on that. So another incident that contributed to Andy Warhol's reputation as a mean person were the treatment of his factory employees. So like I said, he owned this place called The Factory, and that was like his art studio and his film studio and where he created his work. Um, And so The Factory was Warhol's studio in New York City, and this is where he produced a lot of his work and hosted numerous parties and events um, up until the shooting, of course. However, a lot of people who have experienced this The Factory atmosphere say that it was often really chaotic really drug-fueled a lot of people um partying and and stuff um and many of warhol's employees felt really exploited and mistreated by this environment and they're very open about that warhol himself actually was known to be a pretty demanding boss who expected his employees to work super long hours for very little pay He was also known to play favorites and be quick to fire the people who did not meet his very high expectations. But again, and this is something that if if you've watched the bonus episode uh, or if you haven't watched the bonus episode, I would love for you to obviously go watch it. But if you if you can't, I totally understand. Um, But our exclusive Lisa Frank episode, this is also something that people said about Lisa Frank. And I feel like having these kind of misunder I'm going to call it a misunderstanding, but I don't really know that for a fact, because obviously I've never met these people in real life. But when it comes to these famous people, especially famous artists, a lot of them have this reputation for being like kind of mean or like play favorites or like be you know, hard on their employees. And that's something that um, led to Lisa Frank's downfall in her episode, um, which if you haven't heard of Lisa Frank, it's the rainbow glittery stationary artist. Um, Look her up. I'm positive you've heard of her. But with Andy Warhol, I think it's kind of the same deal as like people kind of view artists in a light that's not so great. And it doesn't really matter what we do to try to combat it because people will always find a way to say, oh, this artist is mean. They're an uptight, snooty art person. Like there are so many ways that people kind of stigmatize artists and make artists feel really, really bad about themselves. And one of those ways is by just making stuff up about them or assigning them qualities of people that are just like not very good without actually getting to know them. And clearly, I don't know. I've never met Andy Warhol. I wasn't even alive at the same time as him. I would have loved to meet him, of course. And obviously, I have not met Lisa Frank either. But I do know that there are a lot of people who make assumptions. I do know there are a lot of people who make assumptions about me and other artists that I see. And then I meet those artists and they're actually like so nice and it's not really true. So I have a hard time sometimes believing when people say, oh, like this, this artist was a demanding boss. Like all boss are going to demand you to do your job. It just seems a little bit weird because this place seemed to be like, you know, the factory I'm referring to, his his art studio. It seems to be like a pretty relaxed workplace if he's letting his employees be chaotic and do drugs. It's just, it seems like he might just be kind of attracting people who 
potentially could have started these rumors out of like i don't know i just don't i don't want to believe that he's a um that these things are true but again i never met him he could have been a horrible horrible person either way i love his art and uh there are a lot of qualities in him that i really value so that's you know you know how it is (laughs) it's also worth noting that uh andy warhol's reputation as a mean person uh again not entirely accurate and while a lot of people said that he was certainly complex and difficult to work with, he was also very well known for being very kind and generous. So Andy Warhol actually was known to have supported very uh, numerous uh, charitable causes throughout his life, like a lot. Um, He donated a lot of money to charity, a lot of his money and fame. And he was actually famously generous with his time and his resources. And he was always looking to help people and help the art community and support the community of art artists. And that's something that I do really admire, despite him maybe not being the easiest person to work with. He is still using what he has to help people. And like I said, I think that's very admirable. He also had a lot of really close and loyal friendships with a number of people, including many celebrities and other artists who just frequently came by his studio to talk and hang out. I feel like if he was really that bad of a person, there wouldn't be so many people supporting him and supporting what he does. And also, I don't think he would have donated so much of his time, money, energy, and art to, you know, other resources and people less fortunate than him. He was just really awesome. He was just an awesome dude. (laughs) And I, I like him a lot. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about artists especially the famous ones, because it's so easy to see somebody have something that you don't have and just kind of dog on them for it. But anyway, on February 22nd of 1987, Andy Warhol died extremely unexpectedly at the age of 58 due to complications following his gallbladder surgery. So he had uh, a surgery on his gallbladder and then died shortly after from complications from the surgery, which should have been a routine surgery, but it ended up ending his life. And he was so young at only 58 years old. And it was just such a shock to the art world and the world in general, because again, Andy Warhol was and is a household name. And it was just genuinely so upsetting for everybody who knew him personally and people who didn't but like supported his work loved his work and respect him as an artist he's still to this day remembered as one of the most influential artists of the 20th century i know he's influenced me a lot in my career and how i go about things um so yeah in conclusion andy warhol was a very influential artist who revolutionized the art world with his unique style his approach His career spanned several decades, included a very wide range of works from commercial art to film and music. And despite his success, Warhol never lost his passion for creating art and continued to push the boundaries of his craft throughout his entire life. And his legacy continues to inspire artists like me and hopefully you and art lovers around the world, even today after his death. So that is the life and story behind Andy Warhol. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, I'm a huge lover of Andy Warhol. I think he is the absolute best. Um, He is an amazing, amazing 
amazing or was an amazing, amazing talented artist. And I definitely look up to him in a lot of ways. I think he has a lot of the qualities that I think are necessary to kind of make it as an artist. And obviously, if you don't have those qualities, you can obtain them by just, you know, doing your research and, and studying up and learning business and marketing and commercial art. Um, I think it's just something that's really admirable. And I really like him. I think his life was really, really interesting. I think he's one of um, the most influence, influential artists of our time. So I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to talk about him on ArtWise today. I'm like starting to lose my voice. I recorded an episode before this. So I'm like, I don't know if you can hear it in my throat, but my throat is so dry. So I'm going to keep it the outro short and sweet today. So if you enjoyed this episode, um, please, you know, tell your friends who are interested in art about us. Uh, give us a follow, a like, a subscribe. And um, yeah, I super appreciate you. We also, we have, again, bonus content that you can pay for either through Patreon or here on Spotify. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate every single one of you. Again, if you want to support us, there are support links to everything that I just talked about in the episode description. So yeah, thank you guys so much. And I will see all of you guys next Tuesday. Bye, everyone. My voice is gone. I need to take a break from recording. <laughs>